All right. Um, so this week, my wife and I were sitting around. I said, what do you want to watch? And she's like, we, I take all my movies and I, I store them on our network so I can just watch them anywhere I want to on my phone, on the TV or whatever. So none of our movies are really on DVD that much. Um, and so uh, I was, I'm like scrolling through. I'm like, what do you want to watch? And I said, The Princess Bride. Do you want to watch The Princess Bride? And she's like, yeah, we haven't watched that in a long time. So um, <laughs> we're watching it. And, and the title of, my, there's this one scene <laughs> and this priest is like, marriages. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, that's the title of my message. I'm like, that is the best title ever. And I was, that just, if you haven't watched the movie, please watch it. You'll, it's nonstop laughs. Um, but what is marriage? You know, I've talked about marriage uh, and how we need to uh, defend it and how we need to, um, what God designed it, um, what it was original design. But after watching that, it just inspired me to um, not talk with a lisp all day long, but um but yeah, no. But um, but I think God gave me kind of a little bit of a word to start out, and it says God is trying to, during the, this series. God is trying to create a new wineskin for our families and our relationships with each other. What's happened is is this is is in our culture we're tra- and e- even in church we're trying to take dated and irrelevant um, theories and ideas about what marriage should be and putting them into a new wineskin. Or, excuse me, those are the wineskin. We're trying to put new wine in it. And what's happened is, is this. Is, and I'm not saying what uh, things out of the Bible are dated and irrelevant. I'm saying what culture has said about marriage and what the church has said about marriage in the last 50, 60 years. This is what marriage is like. Well, we have to, we have to look at ourselves and say, okay, what culture do we live in? Where do we live? What time do we live? Like I talked about last week, the sons of Iskar, we have to be able to see the times that we're in and see what's happening in our marriages and in, the, in society, what is going on today. So if we're going to allow God to pour into our lives and into our marriages, into our families, we need to be a new wineskin to receive that. Make sense? Okay. So there's just three things I want to talk about, and there, it probably won't go more than two to three hours, but um, <laughs> sorry. My wife says I'm the long-winded one, only when we preach. Yes, only when I preach is the, when I'm the long-winded one. Um, so, anyway. So marriage is something that God designed to be an equal partnership. It's not a 49-51% kind of thing. You know what I mean? It's not like, hey... Um, I was watching something and it was talking about these celebrities and they all have prenups before they get married. And I'm thinking, that's not a marriage. That's not a partnership. That's not, that's not, hey, this is us working together. This is, hey, I want you in my life until it goes bad, but I'm going to hold on to my money. I'm going to hold on to it. So when I don't like you, after those three years of wedded bliss, we can kick you to the corner and I can still retain everything that is mine because it it really, it is, it's mine. and God never designed marriage to be that way. He designed it to be an equal partnership of flowing in and out, of weaknesses and strength, helping each other, guiding each other in certain times of, 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 of things. You know, I can probably every year in our marriage, we've had one who is stronger than the other for that person during that season. 
And, and it's, it's supposed to be that way. We're supposed to be helpmates. It's funny because ch- the church has taken it and the helpmate is always the wife. For some reason, I don't know why. They, they look at scripture and, well, the wife is the helpmate. No, there, there, there's, n- there's nothing that is biblical about the wife only being the helpmate. Does she help me? Yes. I can't find my keys. She helps me find them. But the helpmate is a biblical thing, but I think it's a reciprocal thing. When the wife, you know, this year has been tough for my wife with her mom and stuff like that. But those were the times where us as a family, my daughters and myself, we come in and we we carry some of that, that burden. We carry some of the load of the other things that she is not able to take care of or needs a break from. And then there's times where she carries the load for me when I can't do it. That's what a helpmate is. We help each other. It's not, well, my wife was created after me, so God put her for me to rule over, and she's going to help me and do what I tell her to do. I don't know what 1940s comedy you stepped out of, but that doesn't work anymore. I saw an old um, ad, and it showed, and it said, is your wife getting ornery and cranky? Take her over your knee and slap her once. And and I was like, wow. And I, I think Sarah saw this. And, it, and I was like, where, how far have we come in our minds that, we, that, that in the 1940s, you think, oh, if my wife's misbehaving. I'm just going to spank her like I'd spank a child. I'm like, wow. That's just the most awkward thing to ever see out of a real magazine from the 1940s. I'm like, people were messed up. They think we're messed up. Um, marriage is, no, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I can't. Uh, I better stop that. So we are equal, but we are, we are uniquely gifted for different, different, different aspects of our marriage. W- one is not stronger than the other. One is not smarter than the other. It is we are uniquely gifted to bring the marriage to 100%. So what happens is, is in, in, even in church culture, we, we've all, you know, you look at the woman is, is the, the weaker vessel. And that does not mean mentally. It does not mean spiritually. It does not mean that. It means physically, most of the time, men are stronger than women. Unless it's getting a jar open. <laughs> but last two weeks, I've, every time I go to make something, I got wet hands. I'm like, I can't get the jar open. And she's like, pop. I'm like, she's like, you need a man to do that, don't you? I'm like, yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 So I swept the house that day. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I did. I did sweep the house that day. Um, so. But God has placed us uniquely gifted, evenly, to be helpmates to each other, for our giftings to, to flow with each other. And what happens is we, the, the world has told us, and the church has started to believe some of this, that, that we, have to, we have to have a weaker and a stronger person. And I don't think that is, is wise. I don't think it's biblical. And I don't think that it works for marriage. There's always going to be a weak one and there's always going to be a strong one. But it's, it's, it's seasons. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Seasons. There's seasons where the, the str- one is stronger and one is weaker and they take that burden up. God places equal. But what happened is, is we, we've been taught that we're not. So what happens is we've had generations of women and men vying for authority and fighting for authority in their household 
well, I, this is this and this is this. And they fight for authority in their household, but it's not supposed to be that way. You know, it, there's a scripture and it talks about being equally yoked. And it doesn't really have, uh, it doesn't apply to marriage. When in the scripture, if you read it, it's talking about believers and unbelievers. But think about this in, in marriage. If we are not equally yoked, what happens? We start to pull in the opposite directions. We have strife, we have friction, we have um, anxiety. We, that's what happens if we're not equally yoked. And what happens is this, and I don't mean just being both believers. I mean going in the same direction, same plan, same purpose, same calling for our family, our marriage, whatever you're, or whatever step you're at. So for us to be equally yoked, that means there's a goal. There's a same goal, same thing. And, you know, when they would teach oxen how to um, have that yoke and pull, they would take an older ox and a young ox, and they would put them together. So what would happen is the older yok, yoks, ox, yeah, I said marriages a couple times and I can't talk anymore. Um, the older ox would pull most of the weight because the younger ox was learning how to just have this around its neck. And so what happens is, is the older ox was pulling. Eventually, the younger ox would learn to pull with him. But think about that in marriage. There's seasons in our life where one is pulling stronger than the other. Because there's, there, there's seasons that we're going to have that are trials, tribulations, sadness, grief, sickness, whatever it is. But without the same goal, without the same... Um, mindset of moving forward, we're going to struggle. We're going to have um, conflict. We're going to have anxiety. We're going to be um, power, uh, vying for power between each other. So I want to read to you Genesis 1, the entire, chap- entire scripture. No, I'm just kidding. Um, let me find it real quick here. I lost it. Okay. So God created man in his own image. Man doesn't mean male, it means human beings. Man. There we go. It's just to solve that issue if you had any questions with that. In the image of God, he created them male and female. Both man and woman were created in the image of God. So that means just because a woman was a couple days later, there's no less significance. He said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and every living thing that moves on the earth. So, he created them to be equal. And I was, you know, I was trying to, to come up with, um, I was like, okay, this is what I want to talk about. What, God, what do you want to talk about? And I was I just kind of like, what, what, a, what this is going to sound like? And I just couldn't figure out. And I'm like, okay, God, what, what do you want? And he just kind of brought to my memory some of the things over the last couple months that as a, a couple that we've been doing. And so I think these things are three major things. They're not all the components of marriage or what it is, but God said money. This is a perfect time to talk about money. Think about it. We had the shutdown. We had the, the quarantine yourself in a bubble for however many months and wear a mask and all this other stuff that is, is just getting completely out of hand now. And might want to edit. 
Just kidding. Um, but it's money. You know, I, uh, I remember growing up and I would watch Leave it to Beaver on TV. I'd come home from school when I was a little kid and at three o'clock was Leave it to Beaver, Dick Van Dyke show, Andy Griffith, and then one other show that I didn't really care to watch. I don't even remember what it was. But I remember Leave it to Beaver show and Ward Cleaver would come home and his pipe and his slippers and his paper were sitting out and June had the little apron on and she was making dinner for him. And, and what was happening was is he'd go and he would, um, there was a, a couple scenes where he was doing the bills and, and he was sitting at his desk and he's doing the bills and he's smoking his little pipe. And she goes, well, what do you, what do you it said something about what are you doing? He's like, oh, don't worry about it. It's just man's work. And I, I, I thought about that and I was thinking, when has money ever been man's work. So, just to let you know, I'm a man and I don't do any of the finances. My wife does. You know why? Because I can't stand it. Doesn't mean we're not on the same page. Doesn't mean that we're both not, uh, not looking saying, how do we, f- how do we um, pay off what we need to pay off? How do we save? How do we plan? How do we um, hide money? Yeah. But think about this. I'm more of the, do we really have to spend that? And she's more like, let's pay everything off. I'm like, can't we have something? And neither of us are spenders, really. Yeah, she's a little more of a spender. I was trying to be nice. Uh, you know. um, so my wife's a little more of a spender than I am. I'm more like, hey, let's, let's you know, put it away and let's save it and let's you know, save up a little bit. But that mindset that, if we're not on the same page as a couple in the financial running of our house, yes, she may do the bills, but it doesn't mean that I don't know what's going on. You know what I mean? It, it's not like she's like, well, you know, and this and this and this, and then I'm going to put this away. What happens is, is this, is you know why divorces happen? Is because money done by one person usually ends up money not being told to the other person. And then money gets spent and the other person doesn't know or stuff gets not paid or doesn't get to the proper places. And so what happens is, is, you know, it's funny because the number one cause of divorce in marriages, you know what it is? Money. Money is the number one cause of divorce. But the reality is that we have to start to think of marriage as an equal partnership. You may not do the, the finances yourself, but if you don't know what's going on in, in your financial, um, you know, the finances of your household, and only one person is doing it, you need to start figuring out what's going on. And I don't mean take it over and, oh, this is mine and I have to do it now. No, you have to say, okay, we need to do this together. If it's an equal partnership, if it's, a, um, it's them leaving their mother and father and cleaving to your husband or your wife, that means you have a joint investment. Sorry, I can't speak right now. I need a drink of water. Just to let you know, I have a, an infection in my mouth, and um, I'm on painkillers and antibiotics, so I'm really feeling good right now. Mm. My wife has no sympathy for me because this is the first toothache I've had in 40 years, and she's like, just no sympathy for me because she's jealous. Um, yeah, so if you're not invested in your money together as a couple— 
you will not know what's going on because one of you will take it over and not know. And you're like, well, we, why don't we have money for this? Well, I spend it on this. See, we don't spend money. Well, I shouldn't say. I don't spend money without telling her. She'll come home, look what I got. I'm like, oh. She knows it. And, and, but here, she buys for the entire household. Yes. But she likes to just, like, I'm like, hey, watch this Amazon order. She goes, oh, I just need a new pillow covers. I'm like, oh, okay. She needed, no, when, when she does this, you know that she, she didn't really need it. Um, <laughs> but I know what's going on because we have those conversations. It may not be a, a five-hour, you know, we're doing our bills together, but it's a conversation at dinner or while we're getting ready to go to bed. Hey, this is what I think we should do. Or it could be a text message. I really want to pay this off. Let's pay this off. Or I want to save this. Let's save this. It doesn't have to be that long conversation. It just has to be a conversation. But the idea that, like, in that, watching that show, and the idea that women cannot understand finances is ridiculously arrogant. That's why mine and yours does not work. See, when, when we got married... It wasn't like, well, this is my paycheck and I'm going to put it in my account and this is your paycheck and you put it in your account. We're gonna, and I don't make her and say, hey, take my paycheck and go pay this bill and then take your paycheck and go pay this bill. No, it just goes in and, we, we, and she pays the bills. For some reason, the week you work doesn't take a week to pay your bills. For some reason, as soon as you work that week, the next day, the bills all get paid and it's like, where'd all that money go? I don't understand that. Why does it have to work that way? But... I don't say, hey, what, what is your paycheck? We need to pay this bill. We just pay our bills from, a, from our, our account because why is we're not, we're not separating ourselves from each other. We're, we're not, well, I'm only in this if it's good for me. I'm in this because it's not just good for me. It's good for the family. I'm, it's an investment. I'm invested in the marriage, so I don't look at it and say, oh, we're two different people. No, this is one. Mine and yours is what, how divorce happens. Because mine spends too much money and then yours doesn't have enough money to pay the bills. Um, you can put it any nicer than that. I mean, so, you know, I, I was, I've been thinking about this and, and we always say the man is the head of the house. Why is the man the head of the house? spiritually the head of the house, but does it give him more spiritual awareness and more spiritual maturity than the wife? No. He sets the course of where he believes that they should go. Am I right? I know I'm right, but I'm just asking you. Come on, think about this. I know I'm right. So he sets the course of where he believes the family should go spiritually, but that doesn't make the wife not able to do anything. It doesn't make him more gifted. It doesn't make him able to hear from God better. It just gives, it just says, like my wife, I, she knows where, what I want. And we've talked about this even before we start, started, or before we got married. We're like, this is what we want for our family. This is how we want. Like we knew we both came from really messed up families. I came from whatever, and she came from whatever. But we knew, hey, this is what we want for our family. 
So she leads in certain, certain spiritual things in our house because she's more gifted. God's given her more giftings to do that. Doesn't make her fighting for power for the, uh, in the family. No, I just know and I see him like, you, you're better at this. You do it. I'm not a disciplined person. I can't discipline my daughters. And they're looking at me like, yeah, that's right. But my wife is. When mom claps, you don't clap back. They clap back, but they, it doesn't usually work too well. We may not always agree on everything that we do. I may not always agree upon what she says or does, or I may, and she may not agree with this, but we can come to an agreement. It may take a few hours of intense fellowship discussing it, but um, yes, it will, we will come to an agreement. But my opinion is not more valid than hers. I gave up that when we got married. And so one parent cannot be the sole spiritual leader of a house. My kids are led by my wife daily because she's with them daily. Doesn't mean that I'm not leading the house, but she's leading them. And so what we have to do is we have to stop thinking of, as a husband, if I thought everything, I, everything that my kids know has to come from me, it cannot, I cannot do it. I'd fail miserably. And that's why marriage is a partnership. We don't just say, well, I'm going to control this and you, you teach the kids this, but you're not qualified to teach them that. It doesn't work that way. I have to allow my wife to do things that she's gifted in and that she has the ability to do better and has more time to do. You know, I've been working during this whole shutdown. She spent the last six months with our kids in the house. There's been some intense fellowship between all three of them when I've come home. And I'm just like, maybe I should go back to work and wait for this intense fellowship to to settle down, and then I will come home. But the man should be the covering for his family. He's the spiritual covering for his family. Doesn't mean that he has more authority than his wife. Doesn't mean that he's more uh, wise than his wife and has more spiritual power than his wife. It means that he just has to be the covering for them. But his wife can lead also, and you've seen that. My girls would be a hot mess if it wasn't for my wife. Because I can't, I'm like, and because, yeah. <laughs> but I look at it and say, if, if it wasn't for my wife, my kids would just, I'd be like, oh, it's okay. You stop. Nope, you're, you're okay. Daddy loves you. Here's, here's five bucks, <laughs> you know, send them off. Yes, I got to quit doing that. I give them money all the time. Um, it's probably not going to get any better when I have grandkids either. Um, <laughs> I'll give both of them money. Here, here's money for you, and here's money for your mommy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to. That's why my wife's saving up, and we're getting debt-free, so we can not be in debt and give our kids and grandkids money. Um, but the man should be the covering. All right. Too many year, years in the church we've thought as the man is the most powerful, and he is, you know, the, the wife is the weaker vessel, and he just has to be this strong spirit. No, I'm sorry. We have to start to look at as couples as equally powerful to lead a family. My wife leads the family, even though I lead the family, because we're doing this together. There's certain things I'm just like, no, I think we should do this. And she's like, I don't like it, but we're going to do it. And there's certain things that she does. I'm like, I don't really like it, but I know it's right. I don't really uh, like what, you know, how you did it or what you said, but I know it's right. Because it's not my personality. It's not my gifting. It's not the way that I would do it. But 
after a couple hours of intense fellowship, we work it out. But what that does is this, is it maintains the connection. The connection is key. So in Genesis 2.24, it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his family, and when his wife wants to become one flesh, then they will become one flesh. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry, it doesn't. It says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. It doesn't say when they get married, he's going to run back to his mom and dad when he's having problems and, and talk to them about all of his issues. No, it says that he's going to leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife, and they will become one flesh. I'm going to say something that's a little rough. But when it says that they shall become one flesh, that means your wife comes before your family. Resentment will start the first time you run back to mommy and daddy when something doesn't work. When you cater to them before you cater to her is how resentment starts. So what happens is, is this, is my wife has a bad reputation let me explain this. Not, not everywhere. Sue's back. My wife has a bad reputation with my family for being the person that took me away from them, and I actually ran away from them. But it's easy to blame. The, uh, the family will blame the, the in-law quicker than they will blame the blood. Oh, well, they, just, they just don't like them, so they're keeping my, my son or daughter away from me. My family's listening to this. No, I ran away. Yeah, you can send it to them. But the problem is, is this, is when we become one flesh, you protect that person. You guard that person. They are a bigger priority than your mommy and your daddy. They are a bigger priority than the family. And a lot of people, yes, you may have good relationship with your family. You may have good connections with your family. It doesn't mean that there's, it's bad. What I'm saying is if you let them become number one over your wife or your husband, there will always be something unspoken, unsaid, some bitterness, some resentment in your life towards your spouse. If you cater to the needs of the family before the needs of your wife, good luck with that. It's not going to work for very long. So if you haven't noticed, Sarah and I really don't agree upon a lot of things all the time. We don't like any of the same things except for one thing. Yeah, that, that too. No, two things. The only thing Sarah and I really like to do together is go to antique stores. That's, you like to hike with me. You like to hike because I like to hike. So, but we like antique stores. That's, the, that's one of the first things we did when we even started dating. We just go, go to antique stores, do, put our laundry in the coin laundry, and wait for 30 minutes for it to wash, and then put it in the dryer, and then go look at things and, and you know, buy stuff that we really couldn't afford. Um, but that was our connection point. That was the thing we both agreed upon when we first started dating that we liked to do. 
She liked to go to the beach. I'm like, I'm way too white for that. Um, still way too white for that. Um, but we had something that we both agreed upon. We found a common interest that we like to do, and we, we went and did that together. Again, don't get me wrong. There's things that we like to do together, like we'll spend time together, we'll go out hiking or whatever, but that's the one thing that we can both agree upon. But there has to be that connection point. If we're not connected to each other, we'll drift apart. If we put family over spouse, we'll drift apart. If you put money over and work and enjoying your free time over your spouse, there will always be a wedge between you. There has to be maintenance on anything you do. We were talking about this last night. We were, uh, we were in Pentwater. We were driving home. We're like, man, they added, like, oh, that's a beautiful house. I'm like, I can't imagine the maintenance on it. Like, just power washing, you know, that house, like, every year, doing all the decks. And, like, she's like, the more you add, the more maintenance it is. I'm like, I'm like that's exactly true. And I'm thinking about that. You know, the, the more your family grows, the more you... Um, do in in your life and in family, the more maintenance it requires. When it was just us, it was just me and her. Now now there's maintenance fees on both of them, and the maintenance fees on those two are extremely high. I thought she was expensive, and I had two daughters. That's why I never carry cash in my wallet. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says, two are better than one because they have good return in their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. That's why we need helpmates. That's why we need people to have good marriages, to be helpmates to each other. When one falls, they're there to pull them up. They're there to hold them up. They're there to carry them when they need to be carried. We can't discount each other's abilities. We can't discount the roles that we play in the marriages and in the family. Husbands, don't discount your wife's abilities. She makes up for your shortcomings. And wives, don't remind your husbands of their shortcomings. Encourage each other to become stronger and encourage each other to become stronger in the Lord. I think that when we start to focus on what marriage actually is and not just the marriage, what we focus on, we start to break it down and say, okay, what, what is this? How do we do this? See, I'm notorious for going outside and working for like, going out and doing stuff outside for like five, six, seven hours sometimes. And then she's like, where were you? I was like, she goes, you didn't spend any time with me. I'm like, I was outside doing stuff. It was good for, it was good for the house. She's like, you didn't spend any time with me. I'm like, but it was good. It, it, was, it was prosperous. He goes, it wasn't prosperous for you because you're not talking to me right now. But there has to be that connection. And it's not something that is um, every now and then, hey, how you doing? Love you. It's, it has to be a, a watering. It has to be a constant watering because when you don't, like there was, there was a couple weeks Early in the year where we were so busy that we just didn't, 
Like we were, we would love you. We were just exhausted. We were constantly doing things. And it was, she was gone all the time. I was working, you know, kids were either in school or they were doing stuff and it was just chaotic. And it was like, like we lay down in bed and like, eventually we're going to have a conversation and then you're, you're out. But that season ended. We carried each, we carried things for each other during those seasons but we, it, the connection was never lost. It was just there wasn't as much maintenance as it should be because we, we were constantly running, constantly busy. But we, we still made that connection. I'd call her and say, hey, how you doing? Or text her or whatever. Because when you care about the connection, you'll maintain the connection. When you care about the other person, you will reach out to that other person. When you care about that person, you will carry the load for them in certain areas that you can carry the load for them. Because what happens is, is this, is when we team up, we're like two oxens pulling. You ever seen um, a horse? Horse can pull a log, but you get two horses, they can pull 10 logs. Because there's something powerful when you team up. When you get one oxen, they can pull, but you get two oxen, watch what they can do. Because there's something in unity that God has created. When we have unity together, we become powerful. We become unified. We become even stronger than we did on our own. We become stronger together. That means we're, the strength that we have together goes around our families. It means the strength that we have together comes into our churches. When we have strength together, it helps cover each other. When we have strength together, we pull each other. So marriage, when we, when we break it down, it really is about pulling each other along. Sometimes you're carrying more weight. Sometimes you're carrying less weight. You know, and when we talk about marriage, uh, the marriage vows, and sickness and health, that's really what God designed it for. Good times and bad times that we are there, we are yoked together, Sometimes it's rough, sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's a hill, sometimes it's mud you're sludging through together. But you're doing it together. Because you, you say, okay, we know at the end of this, around this corner, over this hill, wherever it is, we're going to do this together. You may be having some intense fellowship during those times, but you know this is going to, to come to an end there isn't always intense fellowship. We have very different opinions on almost everything you can think of. And if you've been around us for more than 10 minutes, you will realize that we have very different opinions on a lot of things. But it doesn't mean that we can't become unified in where we're going and what we believe. Most of the time, our intense fellowship is because selfishness comes in. But when it comes to spiritual things, there's no selfishness in that. It's like, this is where we're going to go with our family. This is what our family is going to look like. This is how our family is going to act. This is how our family is going to be. And this is how our next generation is going to be. Whether you like it or not. No. <laughs> but so when we come together in unity, when we pull together, it creates momentum and it creates strength in our marriages. We have to be unified in order to go, go forward. 
Otherwise, you're just kind of like on that, that, that mill, and you're just working on that millstone, you're around and around and around. We need people to pull together so we go in a straight line, not be trying to pull apart. God designed us to, to pull together so that we can move the kingdom forward. Personal kingdoms, his kingdom, the eternal kingdom is what he needs. He needs people yoked together so we can move the kingdom forward. Let's pray.